The views expressed in the podcast you are about to listen to are the opinions of the presenter and the cast. None of us are official representatives of the companies we work for, and we are in no way responsible for what we say. If you are offended or otherwise afflicted by these opinions, please push the unsubscribe button in iTunes and go do something else. Animation Festival on uh, a Saturday with the two brilliant guys, uh, Chris Lavis and uh, Maciek Sherbowski. Is that another person in your name? That's, that's better than most. Okay, good. And or, you're from, or you Lavis. call yourself uh, Clyde... Um, you, know what happens, you know what happens is my name is so difficult to pronounce that everybody tries very hard and they usually succeed. Oh, really? Hilariously, he has a totally normal name that everybody mispronounces. I said Chris Lavis. Yeah, it's Lavis. Lavis. <laughs> yeah, that always happens. Here we go. Chris Lavis and Magic. Let me well, get this right. My, my surname is Ashurst, and everyone in Norway can't pronounce the Hurst bit, so they call me Ashurst. 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 So it's yeah. William Ashurst. Uh, yeah, yeah. I introduced him as uh, William Ashurst the Ash. first time. All right, enough Ash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Russian, yeah. Uh, yeah, you call yourself Bad Henry Productions, and you did some really great shorts. Very famous for one, um, Madame Tutli. Tutli, is that correct? correct. Yeah. And I think we're going to just, uh, we, you had a talk yesterday, and I think we're going to have a little talk about this, just continue the talk, and, uh, and because um, uh, you have so such interesting uh, ways of working. Uh, mm. But maybe we should just start by uh, just summing up where you, where you come from, and you're Canadian, right? Or, yeah? We live in Montreal. Yeah. Uh, we live and work there. Um, our, yeah, I think... It's, we've actually done a little bit of uh, reflecting after our speech because it's funny to hear yourself talk in front of 200 people sure. as though you know what you're talking about. Yeah, and now uh, you can hear this talk. Uh, no, I probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, what's kind of amazing to us as a as a product of these of interactions uh, with with students all over the world on the subject is that. They ask us the same uh, question all the time: "Was how did you how did you manage to you know to to get a company going and and, and continue producing things?" And to us, it's uh, it's we almost giggle when we hear that because it's uh, it, 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 I think it means that we've somehow did the right thing or or, or fell as backwards into luck or something. No, not really. <laughs> it's the fact that we did not grow up anywhere near Los Angeles or the Hollywood system, nor did we go to any film school. Mm. So I think. I, I, th I think we've been spared a lot of uh, uh, the, a lot of fear that's pumped into kids about how you know how much of your parents' money you spent on this education and how this isn't supposed to be uh, necessarily you just learning about art, but you're, this is your vocation for the rest of your life. And I think people get really, really panicked about that yeah. and forget that something is actually that that what we're doing. I have no idea why they would even look mystifyingly difficult because it's obviously easy. You we went down downtown. Uh, spent 50 bucks on a registration for a company, 
That day we became a company. Uh, next week we rented a little apartment for cheap, uh, sharing it with another friend of ours who took the back room and was doing watercolor paintings. And we took the big room in the for in the in the front. And uh, and something happened at that moment, which is that we knew we were going to have to start paying rent on it on the first of the next month, and then again on the first of the next month, which forced us into the perfect situation of needing to use the studio in order to make things that then sell. And, and I think, honestly, that there is no more secret than just that. Uh, to work in your kitchen or to work in, a, in the confines of a school, is, uh, the, the, the responsibility isn't there. The responsibility to make rent for the next month off of your métier. But we are all, uh, all um, uh, products of our parents. Really, and sure. I, I think that probably relates to that spirit of just uh, let's do it, and uh, the grades doesn't really matter. And you know, well, supporting parents. I was going to say, like it would, when we talked in those first couple of years about paying the rent um, uh, every month with their artwork, mm -hmm. that worked nine months out of twelve, and the other ones uh, we had to call our parents up <laughs> and say, you know, this. What I'm, doing, but I, I, what I'm doing, what I'm doing here, I know I finished university and I really should not, this should not be happening anymore, but, uh, um, what, what I'm doing with magic, what we're working on, I, like, it's going somewhere. This yeah. is, this is not a waste and, and, and vice versa. I think like there were, um, and then when I was embarrassed, too embarrassed to do that, I would put my rent on a, my credit card, uh, which eventually maxed out. Caused me to get another credit card uh, six months ago. <laughs> but did you grow up in creative families, or were no? My, my my dad was a surgeon, and my mother a cardiologist. Oh, oh really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I don't know. Maybe you could. Uh, maybe there's a connection there between that and and yeah. stop motion animation. I couldn't. Maybe if not a surgeon, maybe a pilot of a jumbo jet airplane uh, would would be as meticulous about perfectionism and yeah. and timing and. Uh, I mean, if my parents, if, if I think of my dad, if I got anything out of that from my dad, is uh, is uh, a great impatience. Yeah. Uh, with oh. with um, with things not being done on time, mm. I think when my dad put out his hand and asked for a G clamp yeah. that was expected to land in his hand within half of a second, <laughs> in the proper way and the proper instrument, clean, ready to go, mm. uh, any mistake may end in death. <laughs> we don't have that. We don't have that. You know, if we fuck up, it, nobody's going to die. But I think. But I think that ethic is, is definitely been genetically carried. Surgical accuracy. Accuracy. Yeah. Just yeah. Some, uh, not only, for us, it's not really about perfectionism because we're too sloppy, but uh, maybe just a bit too lazy. But we. But I think something carried over with the idea that whatever you do, you have to do as well as those guys do. There's no reason for you just because you chose a career in the arts to to slack off any more than a, than a construction worker or a surgeon would. But it, it seems to me like uh, you guys have the the rare combination of uh, being creative people and being able to start a business and having like a tremendous work ethics. Is that true? Or that's it. That... But that's it's actually the third thing you said. Yeah, and you can even take that, tremendous that, off of that. Yeah, take tremendous say, off. Uh, take creative off. Just just mention nothing other than work ethic. You know, that's I, it. Like we are, uh, we we meet at the studio uh, every morning. 
every morning and we work eight, nine hours or more every day. That's it. Like, if I'm late by 15 minutes, I expect him to be furious with me, and I would be if he is late without telling me ahead of time, because then I'm sitting there going, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to be doing something but together. That's, that's why I woke up. That's something you got from your parents, because, uh, you know, if you... No, I think that's surgeon, something that happened out of our, our, respons- <laughs> our respect and responsibility for each other. Yeah. Like, I'm... Yeah. Like, the fact that we started a company implicitly means that Chris has to wake up at a certain hour tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so do I. Like we, we, ex- we expect uh, that kind of respect from each other. I think most artists are, spend so much time just faffing about and going to cafes that if you just work eight hours a day, five, taking weekends off... You yeah. actually get a lot of artwork done in your lifetime. Like, yeah. you know, like Woody Allen what, does what? Like he works normal work days, closes shop at six... And still has time for a jazz hobby, you know. Uh, and he makes a lot of films. Like, or our, na- to- our neighborhood uh, poet laureate Leonard, Leonard Cohen, who pretty much lives three blocks away from us. We saw um, a great interview with him. I think uh, no, was it an NFB interview? That- I think it's the classic NFB documentary. And he talks about his uh, he talks about his work ethic there, and um, he mentioned that he does what five or eight. Something like eight. Anywhere hours. between six to eight hours a day of writing of, of writing poetry. That's, what he, that's, that's, that's his regimen. Every day, no matter what, uh, whether, whether he wants to meditate or take a walk or whatever or hang out with pretty girls, he, he will do his six or eight hours of, of writing, of sitting at a table with a blank page and a pen. And, if you, and that, that was very crucial for us to hear. Uh, you know, sometimes you need a good anecdote to, to confirm your, your sense of direction in life. Yeah. Um, but that one made such perfect sense to us. We, we, well, so you, so know, you start about you, putting the time in, it starts to kill... I think the cult of genius in art is really intimidating um, as far as not just being in art and making money, but make like wanting to make art that some that you imagine your heroes would uh, might get into. Which you know? is great to be misunderstood, because yeah. when, you, when, you, when you see that piece of work as a fully birthed piece, you, you, you people uh, assume that this, is, this was a... This is how it was conceived in some kind of flash of inspiration. Mm-hmm. This is everything we have learned contradicts that 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 understanding. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you do anything for six hours, anything uh, every day for the next three years, chances are by the end of that third year, year you'll be pretty good at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I any think that's how we become good. Building, Honestly, I think like animation, anything, yeah. the animation of Tuli Pugli is is that. So 100%. you, you self taught yourself practice. Yeah, we never yeah. went to school for this. I mean, the first walk yeah. cycle we ever did. The walk cycle. We, we, that's a, what's walk that cycle. word even mean? Yeah. The first puppet that ever walked first in our work step. was um, Madame Tulipuli's walk. Yeah, yeah. Um, we just at the at the end with the legs or the uh, when she uh, starts. When does she start walking? When she gets up and starts walking through the hallway and then running through the hallway and then yeah. walking at the end. It's the first walking we ever did. So did you just end. do it again and again and again until it just clicked and you? Or did um, you read up on books and kind of... Did you, you know, we know how to do it at all in theory? Or? We um, started with the most ridiculous theory of all time, which was um, my girlfriend's um, cousin, Eric Haru. Um, uh, he's an interesting um, kind of Finnish-Swedish uh, filmmaker from Sudbury, Ontario. Um, we said we wanted to get into film, and we or we wanted to get into film, and we invited him down to Toronto because we knew we had an eight millimeter camera. It was that primitive, and uh, and he brought it over. We made our first sort of animation with our sets, and he also Kubrick, brought... Kubrick died the day before that, and we thought, oh god, 
great, he's dead, now we can actually not freak out <laughs> and start making films without being so scared. And, that, but, and Eric brought uh, an 8mm camera and a stack of uh, photocopies, which was uh, were um, film magazine articles, like old school 70s, 80s film magazine articles on stop motion animation. And it was literally like the every every lesson and it was just three or four basic lessons every example had to do with from like uh, 70s magazines right? dinosaurs it was all about all dinosaurs. dinosaurs how to build an armature the article of how to build a stop motion armature was how to build a T-Rex <laughs> well every example would be it would be like well I'm sorry with the balls and when for example your T-Rex needs his uh, arm and then yeah, and, like, and you and when, they mentioned like uh, things to remember in animation you want to slow into a move and when it ends you want to slow out such so as when example, the Brontosaurus is attacking the T-Rex is, yeah, is swinging uh, his uh, tail at the pterodactyl remember that there's an equal reaction before on his <laughs> giant tail uh, but that's all there was in some all dying from the yeah, those three rules things, were amazing yeah, yeah. giant lizards and uh, yeah, octo-headed hydras uh, <laughs> and it was that pre-internet uh, um, film like it was like the the nerdy. There was no internet nerd culture. It was really like the people who wanted that stuff, like Eric, who lived in uh, Sudbury, had to um, subscribe to those magazines, you know, and those yeah. those kind of amateur eight millimeter uh, uh, dinosaur thing. I mean, that was quite big and quite interesting. I mean, we were this we, is we, the late late nineties, right? Uh, yeah, but he had been collecting this stuff since he was a kid, you know, and just basically he handed over his, his collection of Fangoria and stop motion to us and said, like, you might find something interesting in this. And funny enough, those those three dinosaur rules, uh, the slow in, slow outs or whatever, ended up being the really the basis. They really are the Bible. They actually ended up being a Bible. Like, I still use every one of those rule, rules. Yeah. And I remember when we, we found them, we had them still, um, and we found the old photocopies recently and looked through them, and there was... And there, of course, was the hero of that whole movement, like the, the godhead of that movement at that time, was not uh, Willis O'Brien, but um, our, our guy, uh, Phil? Phil Tippett. Oh, Phil uh, Tippett, yeah. Phil yeah. Tippett was the guy then. Yeah. Uh, he was the, like, the Star Wars, and, and then when we realized, um, and we looked at it, and there's all these black and white photos of Phil Tippett. That was the, that was the thing. And I remember we met, uh, Phil Tippett. We played Madame Tootley Pootley at his uh, studio in, in Berkeley. Berkeley. And went out for Mexican food and drinks and uh, and I remember that was for us that was, it was so for us in a weird way like we come from two on the one hand we have the kind of Brothers Quay Spankmeyer tradition but on the other hand we have this Star Wars dinosaur Willis O'Brien Phil Tippett tradition that, that really is actually connects maybe more to our childhood love of animation than the stuff we discovered in the universe. Well, that's true. The, the, the Quays and Spankmeyer did not entertain us as children, you know. Uh, Star Wars did. And we, when, yeah, we, yeah. when we were, uh, you know, presenting our, our stuff in front of the, the Tippett studio, we, like, we were, we were, uh, like, we were in the presence of our actual hero right there, and we kind of just realized, I was like, oh, shit, there's, like, that's Phil Tippett, like, nodding, nodding as we talk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and we have to say, listen, like, by the way, like, everybody's been talking about Harryhausen lately, uh, with the, with the Lord of the Rings and you know and all that and Tim Burton stuff like they're they're that name the Harryhausen name keeps coming back as the one that's that you know that got them all into that world of fantasy and we had to admit that for us it wasn't Harryhausen at all yeah. in fact we didn't like that stuff back then we thought it was kind of choppy and 
and fake looking. Even when we were kids, it just yeah. didn't work. It looked it looked fake. No, it, for us, we, it was the, it was the snow walkers. It was the, it was the, snow the, walkers. the Robocop. And Empire Robot. Strikes Back that yeah. made us that, that, that made us want to be artists in yeah. the first place. And that's what it was. It was the snow walkers. You know? They still do creatures and all that. They're special specializing on uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, he still they did the Ch- Chihuahua movie. <laughs> They did the Chihuahua They movie, were working on the Chihuahua movie never, when we were talking about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what they were working on in the other room. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. But they also yeah. were doing, what else? We saw, when we were there, they showed us sneak previews. Oh, right. They did Cloverfield. So I think, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Phil has a, it's a great studio. And we, I remember we toured all the studios with, uh, with Tube the Poole. We went Is it to, still in San Francisco? Or? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's in Berkeley. It's just off the, uh, or it's outside of the bridge. Yeah, it's, yeah, right, you're right. the guy that worked for Tippett a couple years ago. Um, it's a great studio. What was his name? Um, Norwegian guy. Okay. Yeah. That's mine. They actually all go for, like, unlike the, it's not a studio of um, a bunch of nameless people with their headphones on sitting in front of computers. They, like, they go for beers together. It's yeah. small. It's cozy. It's, it's, they have it's a, a workshop. Great community like, there. They, they go, uh, like, every Wednesday or something, they go and play football with the guys from Pixar. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we went to that's Pixar, and that's like a cult. Yeah, uh, that, that scared gave us. us the sh- creeps, but um, innovation done in a cafeteria. It's it like Pixar Canada now, isn't there? They is there? I yeah, think so. Yeah. Yeah. Department thingy. Yeah, I know a lot of Pixar guys were upset when they merged with Disney because the scale of the, the company just exploded, and they were afraid that the the, the team mentality would disappear because you, you just end up working on one project with these guys, and then you get shipped onto another project with these other guys, and you never really get to. The continuity with your friends and uh, yeah, it's we, it's a weird place. Have you been there? Yeah, and they treat, it's interesting, but it's like <laughs> yeah, they treat, it's, they treat it's like the like animators. Going to Mecca, kind of. It's yeah. like it's like your holy grail. Uh, you kind of get to go there. You see all these amazing animators that you've grown up with on the behind the scenes DVDs. But that's what we're told, isn't it? It's yeah, a great yeah. place. But well, there's the there's the corporate official version. Yeah. There's, there's always a. Two sides, I guess. It's and your side is. It's perfect. <laughs> it's so perfect. There's nothing bad to say, and that's what starts to give you the creeps. Like, you're yeah. at some point, like, not only that, they all talk about it like it was, you know, the mountain that came to Muhammad. Like, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Or is it just a giant cafeteria where you kind of just segued from the last cafeteria you were in in college? And now you're still lining up with your little tray and plate and getting your little noodles and. It's goofy. Yeah. It's interesting, it's though. Goofy. They treat animators like... Okay, you, uh, you, you play soccer versus DreamWorks. Okay, but who cares? That's not what the, you know, this is about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, there's that Tom you're, in a, you're in a camp. Yeah. There's that Tom Wolf story about uh, uh, Air Force pilots in Vietnam, how they, they're just treated like uh, like their their asses are kicked, and they go... Remember, there's that whole thing of them having dinner with napkins, and then they'd go off, and, and, and there's this, this very strange culture of... Entitlement, like you are the best of the best, and yeah. I felt that exact when I was looking at all the uh, little Pixar animators individual stations. It, it's a, it's exactly like that. Really, Tom Wolf story. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, whatever. Very we could shit on Pixar on all we want. Yeah, we could do it <laughs> a separate podcast just. <laughs> I enjoy. I still Pixar like. Movies? I actually, still, I actually do enjoy yeah. the movies. I think they're great. I actually, but. totally don't. Um, it does absolutely nothing to me. I'm kind of surprised about it, but it actually does nothing to me. It really doesn't. I, you I can see qualities in it. I can see qualities in it. Absolutely, I can see qualities in it. But it just, in a way, I think I have um, I have an instant uh, re- rejection on the on the, on the uh, visual basis of it. I just I, I find the way they design their characters almost visually offensive. I find them very ugly to look at. 
It's uh, it's a, it's to have a look. It's that. Uh, You're more of a chain, isn't guy. It? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting. You're saying you like uh, Pixar or the Pixar movies, you, you know. But how do you work together? Like when you come up with an idea, do you get a lot of resistance from him, or, or do you yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. how this? You're all on the same page most of the time, or how do you get the creative process? Like? The outside for us, I, I see you as this kind of you just you're just buzzing, you know, you're yeah, talking, yeah. and you're you're just waiting there patiently, and then you say your thing, and then and as a because I'm in withdrawal, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it is. And then uh, you're working on this film now, The White Circus, is that right? Yeah, but we don't have the same... The way we talk, um, let's say, in the in what is basically an artificial situation... Yeah. Uh, ...is not the way we would work, talk. We work together. I wouldn't yeah. be waiting for magic to finish. If no, no. Sitting there uh, talking about an idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we believe in debate. Like, we everything... Um, and the reason we, we like working together is because we like the idea of, of a synergistic effect. Uh, where it's not my idea that Chris has to accept. It's my idea that, he, that Chris has to challenge. challenge. Yeah. Uh, and I am by now so familiar with the process of, of that that there's no offense in such a thing, but there is an, there's almost a gratitude that, that somebody else is picking up the baton and taking it higher. Yeah. And yeah. Then I, and, uh, but are you a good listener? And you have to ask him, I think. <laughs> is it the one who shouts the loudest that will win an argument, or is it... No, we don't really... Like, I mean, some, some, yeah, sometimes volume does, does uh, <laughs> rise yeah. uh, in conflict, but, but that's not how we settle an argument. That's one or the other will say, listen, well, that, you know, that kind of defensiveness is actually a, uh, an attack. <laughs> you know, uh... I, no, I don't, you know, we're, we're friends. Like, we um, we end every day over beers. Uh, we have to decontaminate from the work, and we have to make sure that... Every day? <laughs> you know, animation, like, walking out of the studio at the end of a day of animation is like climbing down a very crooked staircase very back intense. down to the to, to, to reality. And, and you can't just go home with that. Your temporal lobe is completely fucked. You're actually on another... You're thinking of time in terms of frames. A minute, a minute has an experience of anywhere between a year and, and infinity uh, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, unless you decompress well, from that. You well, the beer you after work... home with the bends. If we're not going... Like, uh, there have been certain stressful times and, and projects that have, have gone off the rails where we won't have a beer after work. But that's always... It's usually a very bad time. Um, most of the time, because we're not just dealing with... I mean, we run a company together. And that beer after work is our way of dealing with the big picture of the company rather than the small problems of the day. That, yeah. Or whatever the exactly. whatever the animation was that day or whatever the 24 frames a second or whether we argued whether the... Um, uh, the, the the Higgledy cat truck should have a blue sign or a red sign it is not the kind of conversation we have at the end of the day. The end of the day is big picture. So it's sort of like your version of a morning meeting, like some people do. Yeah, exactly. We well, don't, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I people have so. morning meetings. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of companies no, have morning yeah. meetings, where, meetings where they go through what happened yesterday and uh, sounds too see. sober. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we have more of a yeah whatever. 
more of a jazz musician idea of, <laughs> how, what, of what mornings are for. How does beer fit into that one? Yeah. <laughs> but do you argue about the... I say argue. But, discuss. Um, do you discuss um, the methods or do you discuss uh, the details? Because it seems like you have this very um, fluent way of uh, working where you just uh, try stuff and uh, see if it works and see what comes out of the sort of filming yep. and all that stuff. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Like we, we'll talk about. I think the end of the day stuff can be anything from. Uh, right now, we're having a lot of discussions um, about how how we want to film um, uh, the White Circus. Should it be funded? Is it um, animation? This film, or well, precisely it? that question is the yeah. conversation we're having right now. Yeah, how much yeah. animation will be? Um, what sort of techniques we want to use? What who, what kind of people we want to work with. Just like really it's a lot of like the overall, what is, um, what do we want for our company? I think the yeah. big, the big question or the big thing, the big revelation I think in the last few weeks has been that it's okay to have a career that ebbs and flows, that, that the long, the long haul artistic life doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean onwards and upwards, onwards and upwards, onwards and upwards, bigger budgets, yeah. bigger stars, um, bigger ambitions, but in fact, it's, it should flow from really story to story, experiment to experiment. Uh, and that a feature, just because we're doing a feature film, it sh- that feature film shouldn't be put in a box outside of all the other work we do, which is, which is what was starting to happen. It was starting to become this big thing that on the one hand we did, you know, some little animations for the arcade fire theater posters, uh, our own little short films. And then on outside of that was this, monster feature film and that was going to require uh special effects companies where apparently our mentality and our techniques have no room and shooting in uh shooting in germany and poland and and things that i think just got and a budget beyond our dream like things just got uh outrageous and and so we realized that that's why why do why do you need to it's almost like uh, and we were being pushed into a mold i think of a of a, like uh, Guillermo del Toro or Tim Burton, and realizing like maybe that's maybe that's not us. Maybe we really are. Maybe this Spankmeyer Quay Guy Madden mold is actually where we are, and maybe that's it's okay to be comfortable there. Uh, that that's that's our that's our thing, and that's that's actually we okay. end up we end up just crashing into one of the silliest walls of art all time when we were actually being told uh, that uh, you know. This may just only like if if you guys want to do it like this, then it will end up as nothing more than an art film. Oh, really? And that was a uh, something oh, went, no. something went off in our heads with that one. It was like, no, well, we it, realized we actually went, under all circumstances, this must be nothing other. Yeah. Well, not, not right, right away. Not we ever yeah. be interested in making anything that that it, that has that kind of forbidding on it. And I think we were sort of, it was a revelation that came later. I think we were actually chastised at the moment going like, yeah, well, that's true. And then afterwards we thought, we thought, Jesus, actually, yeah, they were, exactly. they were right. That what, the, what we're talking about would just be an art film. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's what we want. That's yeah, what we want. Yeah, that's how I can't wait. There's a lot of uh, companies that people are approaching me and says, oh, could you do this and this, but we want it to be in a style that you've already done. Agency. We've all, we always say no. Yeah. We get a lot of uh, commissions like that, and we always say no. We, um, but agents often, there are times when we need money, and uh, um, and we'll have, we've over the years had agents and representatives of one kind or another, and they always think um, that they can get us 
we actually scare those people away. Uh, Instantly. Not the not the agents. The agents and managers think like, great. Uh, I can make money. I can these guys. This can work. I can yeah. find the client who will work with these guys, and they're those clients are not out there. Like no. we've learned to our almost like uh, like going to the dance and no girl dances with you. That's that's our relationship with corporate. It's it's not some. There is some refusal, but really most of it's like showing up in your best suit and going. And no one's interested. Yeah. But some would actually say that's a good thing in a sense, because I remember doing an interview with Cal Cooper, who did the credits for uh, Seven and Donnie Brasco. Mm-hmm. And he said after he'd done the Seven intro, the only things that he was approached with, like for the next one or two years, like 90% was, we want to do this car commercial, but it has to look like the Seven intro. And he was like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the Seven companies that will can imitate it just yeah. as well anyway. And, they and then everyone is actually yeah. for the next year or yeah. two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you the entropic fonts? <laughs> Are you afraid of changing? No, no, no. That's I mean, Since that's why we're embracing. Like, well, that's that, that. That was the point of my kind of confessional caveat at the beginning of the of our lecture yesterday. Is that uh, we're so interested in changing that we actually erase our memory banks on a regular basis. We wipe the drive, you know, like yeah. a, a, a tabula rasa. <laughs> well, beer helps actually. It's it's very useful for that. Uh, I think we are afraid of failing. Um, I think we walk into a project with no. trying to avoid failure. But how many uh, and times the, can you say no to projects and uh, commissions and like all that stuff uh, um, before you you're not interested to, uh, interesting to anyone anymore? Oh, well, that's I, a good question. I have no idea. Uh, uh, we'll find out, I guess. But you just talked about failure. I mean, what, how do you register failure on your side? Is it like? Yeah, the audience is not liking it, or uh, we don't really think of it that much, you know. Like yeah. we 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 worry about missing a deadline, but no, but that the work doesn't come up to our expectations. Well, it's yeah, a constant, that's it. Uh, um, that you know, listen, our overhead, our, our our operation doesn't yeah. cost us very much. Uh, we live in a relative. We live in Montreal. Rents are relatively low. It's it's uh, because of that that it's a kind of thriving artistic community. Do you have a wife uh, and kids and everything, or I don't have a wife or kids. Uh, I don't have a car. Um, you know, most of us who live in that neighborhood, uh, doing their little art projects, can make rent uh, relatively easily. Um, we have a kind of we have a luxury to to not have to worry about that too much, actually. Yeah, it, we don't sink or swim by by accepting or un- not accepting some corporate commission. Yeah, we don't have employees that need to pay their rent off of our work. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Turns, so, um, out, turns out screenwriting pays pretty well. Just the last thing we expected. So but when I was talking guilds, about the, 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 turns out the best thing for artists are uh, guilds and their minimums. With the with the the, the fear of change, uh, I think that's a, that's an interesting one. Like I. We're so not afraid of change that I think we're we'd be a, we're it's the opposite. We'd be really disappointed and have a creeping sense of dread if we were following the formula of the last project, uh, because we actually really do, you know, without any irony or sarcasm, we actually really do believe in experiments. We like experiments. We like the yeah. whole scientific method, hypothesis to experiments to conclusion and if you were wrong and if it didn't work then you were wrong yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you but if you were right you must not do that a second time yeah, yeah. because that actually negates the whole idea of an experiment uh, and so what we were talking about at the beginning of the speech yesterday was that we actually did just wipe the plate again 
it's, it's, it's very different when you've just finished the product, when you're just you know, in the middle of something or just finished it. You, got, you know what you're talking about. It's intimate to you. And, it's, and, and, it's, and you understand uh, the, that process clearly. Um, when you're starting something from the ground up, you actually, the way we do it is that we actually just, we make a great effort to forget yeah. how we did it before. I, did. I don't know where it comes from. I think like, I think it comes from like an interview with New Order I heard in the 80s or something. We're like, how do you guys make your records? Like, I, honestly, we just, every time we make one, we forget how we made it and start over. And that, that sounded so intelligent that we had to, we actually, you know, it's not like we forced ourselves to yeah. do that. It's, it's, it's innate. We agree with that. That makes perfect sense. So, so what are you sort of? What's sort of interesting you now? What's sort of spurring you to move forward with this, this feature? Well, I think we we went through an inter- kind of little process doing uh, um, this portrait um, for band, um, where that was really frustrating um, until it came together at the last second, uh, and we so we tried it. The portrait. Um, yeah, like a publicity portrait for, for the Arcade Fire and, uh, and who are in the neighborhood, everyone lives in the same little neighborhood. So, uh, they approached us, I guess. Yes. Like on the street. It was like kind of like passing on the street, kind of, uh, um, not like a gig so much as a, Hey, you guys want to do something? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you guys. Yeah, exactly. It was really that kind of thing. Like, um, by the way, we could use a portrait. And so we, um, but we took it really seriously because we haven't, uh, we thought, and we did a lot of research into, um, like, uh, who, who's that Spanish, uh, not Delacroix, was it Delacroix? No, uh, it was a Spanish painter that... Like Mar Velasquez? Velasquez, yeah, and the, and the way he did work with, like, because you have a band of seven people, we went into, like, okay, well, who are, what are these, what's Velasquez, these great paintings of, like... Yeah, and Rembrandt. We went to the collections. Rembrandt did the most amazing grouping. And he did that group. Yeah, but Velasquez does these things, and we all got in the idea of like these sort of swarthy groupings, and how we did, how they did, like how they pushed, uh, how they did, how we did, how you do levels of people, Uh, and that was sort of maybe more. We went to that after first looking at uh, band portraits. Yeah, and that didn't really tell us anything. So we sort of went backwards into group portraiture and thought, okay, well, this is actually an experiment not in publicity, but in um, in the in genre the staging. of... Staging. In, in this old genre of group a group portrait. Um, and how to make it in a way that um, wasn't just a uh, flattering um, representation of them, like some kind of... Uh, like a Duran Duran picture or something like that, but, but that would... Or even like a U2 picture, but then in fact would be maybe a... Um, a portrait of the group dynamic as well. You get that feeling of, the, the, of, yeah. of well, we, what we wanted to do was spend a day. We spent a, we insisted on spending a day with them, um, not while they were practicing while they were practicing, yeah. just to see who hangs out with who, who's who's um, dynamics. What what are the actual relationships of this group, rather than the idea of like someone like, coming into a photo shoot? No one wants to be there. They think the photographer's an asshole. The photographer yeah. makes the girls do their hair in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable, so they refuse, and then everyone's grim and it just it's like it, that process we just didn't want that process so yeah. we went to the studio where they're rehearsing and i think the first thing i said like i was like okay we'll just be flies on the wall and you'll never I, know we're here you'll never know we're here and then um, so they start playing and what and what, next thing that happens all the lights, like, all the lights go out <laughs> and like uh and apparently chris leaned against the power switch <laughs> and uh yeah like a fly on the wall yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I, think, I had no idea Link against the power switch. I was like, oh, the power went off. What are they? But it was great. Like they were just they just played for hours, and we just ended up like hiding behind uh, you know equipment cases and and amps and uh, and filming them while they were just kind of rubbing their heads and uh, mm-hmm. and and you know uh, languishing backstage. You know, we just started to see what what they look like in repose, what they look like sitting. Which one of them is actually the funny one? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, all that kind of stuff. Which one is uh, is actually suppressing being, uh, you know, a, a wild, you know, stage demon, which uh, you know you wouldn't suspect. Yeah, and what the uh, problem was that what happened though is we had this great theory. Uh, we had the research and the theory, and and it would be exactly like we're all this. You know, Spanish painting and, and Velasquez and, and, and we had like the French and Revolutionary and then, Wars and, and then we had this Haiti and, and the yeah, Carnival Carnival Haiti and then we went to actually do the damn thing and it was horrible we just ran into a wall for a week we tried this we tried that we tried actually positioning all the stuff that actually putting it together just was a brick wall for a good week mm-hmm. you know that we thought like this is not working and we'd go out and make sketches Try different things. Let's try this. Let's try that. Like uh, looking at old, like getting crazy influences. Like uh, here's this picture of the Warsaw Ghetto where there's seven people. Let's set them up like that. Uh, yeah. And then uh, like and then and it's that kind of um, depression. It's not. It's a depr- Like it's a. There's that moment of uh, of real doubt that you might not pull it off. That's followed. Usually by the breakthrough. Do you feel uh, like you always get that throughout a project? No, but uh, but we, god damn, is it ever close to us right now? I mean, I you know, I think we have. Madame Tulipu, we had a had grave periods of doubt. Yeah, not all the time, but there not were all the time. But but yeah, we we do we do there are, we do crash into moments when uh, when we feel like we are we are men of absolutely no qualities. <laughs> And it's not going to work. Like, it will not... We've got it together. We've thought about it. It should work. It doesn't work. Uh, and and with that RK5 portrait, we, it actually ended up working out really well, but it was a week of banging our head against the wall. And then try, and trying to... Not only that, it was the end of kind of two months of, of having completely lost ourselves. Like uh, Two months know. for the whole portrait, was it? Or? No, no, no. Oh, the, right. the, por- the portrait was our kind of exit out of, yeah. uh, out of the funk. But, uh, you know, like... We went to. We were invited uh, March uh, to travel to London, uh, but, uh, invited by the Quay Brothers to to see their new the premiere of their new film. Ridiculous privilege. This is not something you say no to. So of no, course no, you know. No. Uh, nice London. And <laughs> uh, just seeing all the all the puppets, the forty years of the most just simply beautiful artwork ever made in yeah. history, possibly, or at least to my affinities. Uh, well, you, you would think, uh, you would think would inspire you, right? But no, uh, it destroyed us. It actually, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, when I, I came home and I looked at our studio and our puppets, like <laughs> and it was just, it's one of those moments when you realize, like, oh my god, another organism right over there has a thousand times the perception and the talent that I do and it is untouchable by me no matter what I do mm-hmm. and uh, we just kind of you know this is it's not just it's not just a, a self-lynching or some kind of fucking uh, hair shirt or it's actually it's, I guess it's a, a part of the responsibility we recognize as I don't know like some something left over from our from reading Dr. Doom comics or something where if there's something greater than you 
You have to really contend with this, perhaps even destroy it, perhaps rise onto its shoulders uh, or something, but you cannot just know that there is something that great out there beyond your touch and have nothing and, and not try to approach it. You have to. And, and, uh, why, for, speaking for myself, like I just got, I got fucking lost mentally for two months and I started just like, you know, we started doing all sorts of weird things. I started climbing mountains for, 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 for weeks and just coming down off of the mountain with, you know, five plastic bags filled of, filled with snails, you know, swirl, you know, just crawling around and trying to escape from the bag and bringing it back to the studio at the end of the day until we had like a thousand snails not knowing what to do with them. And, uh, and you know, but one thing led to another. We started seeing, we started walking around our, our studio and some of them ended up on the ceiling the next morning and, you know, on our, on our skeleton and, uh, that we have at the studio. My personal skeleton, the skeleton in the studio. Just the skull. Just the skull, right. Yeah. I have a skull. Um, <laughs> no real studio should do that. But then something weird started happening, you know? Like, we started really? finding that they were, they were like, all over our studio, we had these slimy trails that were all over the walls and all over our, our things, and they were, after funny. a few days, started kind of, you know, crusting and peeling and, uh, and kind of rolling <laughs> onto each other, and... Yeah. And we started finding, I don't know, our minds were very open and very sort of, our, our antennas were stretched out and very sensitive in, in, in that time. And we found some really interesting affinities between that and, and, and pornography and, uh, and, all kind of some, and a kind of um, um, a sensual fetishism that, uh, that we thought rhymed with, um, with, with, a pornographic element, uh, and we started kind of playing with these organic things, what, recording them, you know, squirming on top of each other, and uh, and that kind of, that the, the process of just watching them and maybe and filming them in a in a, what do you call that uh, time lapse. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, doing almost like animation with uh, with with snails who actually move by themselves, but slowly enough that you can actually use you know adjust yeah, yeah, lights yeah. in between right, frames. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of just got us back into uh, just into fun. Just like, okay, now we got you know now they're all over our studio. They're they're in our sets. Uh, we started giving them. We started rubbing down our sets with butter so that they had something to kind of crawl on and maybe feed off of, and. And just turning on the camera again, putting on the lights and, and you know lighting them in, in blue and shooting through through beer bottles. Uh, wow! And it's it, it kind of brought us out of that. Uh, Unfortunately, the footage looked like um, well, it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. But it, it looked exactly like the Brothers Gray. Unfortunately, it kind of did. Well, it was yeah, our way. But it wasn't really about like, yeah. like exercising. Yeah. Exercising, yeah. Uh, that impulse, uh, but it actually did on, on some level just remind us that actually, you know, this is that the creative process is not at all dead. It's just that you just, for, you just, you, you needed, you needed to challenge yourself this way. You needed, yeah. I think that was a natural need for us to, 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 for, to, for a moment be completely useless, yeah. to not be professionals, to not have, to not pretend to know that we don't know anything, yeah. not pretend to actually know that we don't know anything for a yeah. moment is very nice. Because I, I, when I, t I, some, that, the way you explained, it, I have that to, happened to me. You, you see something, you think, "Fuck, that's brilliant. That's really good." So you go back to you to do your drawing or my drawing, and I, this is in my head, and I'm thinking, "What do I do? What do I do?" Instinctively, what should I do? What should I do? And then I have this sort of fight for a long, long time, and I, I can't do anything. And 
I'm constantly trawling, looking at other images to see how I can get my head back. And uh, then I just have to sort of just draw and draw and draw, and then it, then it will come. Mm-hmm. And like being here this week, there's some stuff I've seen that has really, really influenced me, and um, and it's been able to push my ideas forward. But uh, and I just hear you guys talk. It's uh, it's it's nice to hear the kind of the, the creative side and how you struggle, but uh, the way you get through it is fascinating. And uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, well, it's, uh, it's it's not our job as much as it's um, the Clyde Henry Productions, the, our little Clyde Henry Studio is our uh, that's our that, that's our life. Yeah, that's our. We have. A, we've decided that we have a life. We want to have a life in art, not a career. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, uh, which is you know somebody who is into literature might just you know decide without making money off of reading to have a life with books. Yeah. Um, so you know even that even those those moments when you just have to like walk around the mountains collecting snails and toadstools, um, that's part of the regimen. That's part yeah. of your. You're living and you're working. Yeah. It's, it, it becomes very intimate. In fact, it's kind of something you cannot stop because it is your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that every project sort of needs this little mini catastrophe to become something great in the end? No, but it's like all no, of course, of course, because there's no such rules. Not every, of course, like, this, it, then it would have to be in some some. But on a personal some, level, it would have to be in some manual that you need. Uh, the stage seven requires a uh, breakdown. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, it's, it's just uh, they're just. Statistically likely. Yeah. The longer a project goes, you will not you will not avoid them just like you won't avoid a, a day without a thunderstorm. But it's it's uh, like a, a, a react you know, play like, or something. You you start a project all the time. You start a project up there, and it sort of goes downhill for a while. Then you realize you're in, in the bottom of a ditch, and you you just gotta take uh, get yourself together and uh, and uh, find a way to get up there again. Yeah, yeah. Versus, how did I mean when you were collecting the snails? How were you reacting? What were you? Because you're you're together. You've got to get through it together, I suppose. Sure. So you supported him, or were you struggling in your own way? Or uh, you just had to listen. I wasn't. To me. No, you know yeah. what? I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't struggling. I wasn't yeah. struggling through that uh, period so you at all. Yeah. But I think it was. But it also was. Um, Instead, of, instead of struggling, I was, um, I, I had just, uh, I was listening. Yeah. I had my uh, antenna up for ways that these ways that this struggle could be practically applied to problems as they came into the studio. Yeah. To the things that to projects. Um, so, uh, and in in some way, that's that's maybe a. Yeah. So I wasn't panicking. But the stuff that you were doing, you know, like while I was talking about, you know. Uh, snail slime rhyming with semen. You were talking about. Uh, you were you were reading. Uh, you know uh, passages from Umberto Eco's uh, on ugliness and finding old poems from uh, even from Rabelais and things too that actually on your on in your perception rhymed on some in some way with that idea already. Yeah, I think I would, and looking for the rhyme. I think yeah, even though I wasn't struggling exactly. The, for me, the it was a the whatever whatever quest I was on was not a struggle. But it was an interest in, um, I don't know, like, uh, uh, Frankenstein and uh, the certain, like, Napoleonic era that came through with either my own interests or ideas for future stories or um, uh, this Arcade Fire project or the book that Magic brought in by Umberto Eco. Just, just looking for little, uh, it was just little sparks that, yeah. all, that all just sort of 
starting to come together um, as because I mean you know the uh, projects started to come up as well and, and there's always projects and there's always deadlines. So you're so. working on projects as this? No, I think no. We were work. just we were just I was just I, I guess we were both we had went through a period where we were both um, storing storing nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah. and then and then knowing when to having a vague idea what the other person was doing, but yeah. then knowing when to bring it together and, and see how how it at all maybe how these seemingly different ideas like collecting snails would fit with um, my like me uh, being interested in uh, this Umberto Echo book that Magic found that had passages about uh, succubi. Yeah. Which came out of an interest, a, a thing we had about building a puppet of a monkey. So and then and then so this so and then but like why maybe not a monkey maybe a, maybe a succubi, and what is a succubi? It's something that uh, uh, it's a demon that uh, impregnates uh, lonely or an incubus like an incubus right incubi yeah. succubi. It's like stalactites. Succubus, succubus is a woman. It's like stalactites. You can fuck it. It's like, what is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, an incubi. An incubi, which is a male demon that impregnates women who's typically women whose husbands have gone away to war. And yeah. it, the idea of like preying on women's sexuality. This old church idea that women are weak. Their their sensuality is stronger, and they're therefore weaker to yeah. temptation. Yeah. And th- and then that connecting so like male fear of female sexuality yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, laid yeah. out so obviously that you yeah and yeah, so why even bother and so this <laughs> weird legend of and then thinking like ah oh, well that and the, the sort of sensuality of the snails and the sliminess of the snails going into this idea of um, monkeys and inc- uh, incubi and women and then maybe we should turn this into uh an erotic short film that and that uh <laughs> that's uh and that's a really hilariously we pitched this and not uh quite like that including uh the scene with cum swapping uh to, uh, to a room full of quite uh of, of, you know to a production company with with uh all women at the table uh all adult <laughs> And um, there we were, talking this shit straight up at the table, and at the end they said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, your producer that you mentioned in the lecture, she was, uh, that you worked with. No, Marcy, Marcy we would, uh, we would not frighten her with that. No? <laughs> no, 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 no. This, uh, had be, this had to go outside of government funding. So what happened with we didn't film? expect taxpayers to come Well, this is all like, we're probably doing the thing you should never do, which is talking about films that are not actually... Quite happening yet? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it really, whether the movie ever m- gets made or not, what was fascinating okay, is the pro- it's really about the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if it doesn't get made now, maybe it'll get. Maybe the maybe the incubus will. If we don't get it made this year, then maybe the incubus scene will end up in a film in a dream sequence ten yeah, years yeah. from now or something. Eventually, it's like, you put this get into porn. It is all stored. It is all kind yeah, of stored. I think, so. notes, like, I, think I think that is. Uh, Almost inevitable. <laughs> like, Tootley Pootley was an idea concept we came up with really. in 1998. one good reason why not. I don't know, because uh, there's some images in... I mean, I Tootie Palooty, I, I found it quite erotic. I don't know why. Especially her legs. And yeah, so did we. 
I mean, there's a shot where she's doing this with her legs, and I, I thought, you know, that we did that on purpose, and yeah, that, that actually, we actually put a pervert in there who's yeah, and yeah, was actually all about that. So that really questioned me. I thought, fuck, you know, what am I doing here? And then there's this guy <laughs> no, doing you know that, what's and funny? I thought, oh, it made me feel really foul, and the whole atmosphere yeah. of that film was am- amplified by that whole, uh, especially me as a male. So, there's uh, absolutely a, a, there's supposed to be an eroticism to that character yeah. we actually the, the puppet was built with um, with a bra and panties that you never see and that was yeah. done to kind of cr- like that she's a I thought there were nipples at one point I was sure. she had a vagina she, she had everything, yeah. like, and, and, yeah. and all the characters had penises and balls. But that was important. all of them did, and we, you know, like to the point where we actually injected expandable foam into the molds, and th- there they were. You know, we had to actually. Talk we actually had the, the problem with the pervert was that we built such a giant cock in the original puppet that we actually had to cut his cock off because, because it was it was it was, it was, it was bound. It was you couldn't. It was bursting through his pants. Into his pants. It was bursting. You could not fit that cock in his pants. Yeah, exactly. But it was important part of the sculpting it. because it was. It, it was really about. Reminding ourselves constantly, these are not uh, that these are that these puppets' motivations cannot. Be, these are not Barbie and Ken dolls. Yeah, yeah. These um, that they're they have to have that. Even though Tootley is a kind of uh, particularly kind of shy woman who would yeah. not. She's not like a. She's not. This is not Marlene Dietrich, a Blue Angel kind yeah, of character. Yeah. She's she's quiet and shy. She still has to put her underwear on. Like she's still yeah. a woman under yeah, there, yeah. And, and we wanted you to constantly be reminded yeah. of that. And I think. The funny thing about that was, uh, while animating her, the um, you had a constant boner. <laughs> constant, <laughs> two and a half years. Uh, yeah, not since I was six years old. I had to take a podcast is over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. If we were generated. If we were more successful, it'd be like yeah, uh, tootly pootly makers claim constant boner on set. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what lame website. I had a, I had uh, a two I and a half year long erection. Thirty that month really, boner. Yeah, yeah uh, no, that's not true. But there is, a, there is an interesting anecdote, possibly, uh, which is that you the only place to um, hold the puppet to animator that would not give us uh, King Kong type wrinkles. Yeah, was you had to hold her by the breasts to move her. So it'd be like. So I think I, I and so you'd go in and there was this thing because we made the puppet out of silicone as well. Like she had, which feels really good. Which feels <laughs> good. so I don't know. Like I have to grab, I'd have to put my, put my thumbs on her breasts. Like ten thousand, I'd be groping this poor woman ten thousand, and she's such a shy little creature, you know. But I, she'd have to be groped by me ten thousand times a week. Uh, and twist it into submission. It's quite it's quite a strange process when you, yeah. when you actually reflect on it. Yeah, and I think we we really didn't we weren't afraid of that. We were, I mean we weren't, didn't want to make it um, overt. But um. there was, and there was another th- thing in the little boy. He, he looked sort of Japanese. Uh, yeah, yeah. And to me, it looked like he had uh, like effects from the atomic bomb. You know, you see the pictures of. Uh, yeah. Uh, he Hiroshima. Like, yeah, Hiroshima. Yeah, and uh, the uh, That's sort of the style of the whole movie. Though, yeah, but, yeah. But, but, yeah. I wasn't sure if that was just an accident, or was it intentional, or was it just uh, the way that it was? I think that was just a bad paint job. Yeah, I, think, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think we were channeling Hiroshima. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, I, I just, I just wondered because there, there was so no, many. Right, so, well, there's two possibilities. It's we're channeling Hiroshima, or that child yeah. has the worst paint job in the movie. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, we'll, let, uh, they all, they all we'll leave it. Really, we'll leave it a mystery. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, fucked up in the face. All of the characters are yeah. they they feel more real than real, sort of because you did that stuff. And it, yeah, I don't know. 
Well, that's because that's our degenerate. I think Antarctica Kunst. Antarctica Kunst. We never want to make a film that um, Hitler would approve of. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Benedict. Yeah. We would like to. You talk about style dictating the way to tell the story, or there's just, there's a this there's this one style to tell the story perfectly. Uh, when you do projects, how much do you find the biggest reward in actually finding the visual style for the project, or is it telling the story? Or no, well, yes, you know, just yesterday or two days ago, we were preparing for this lecture here and Frederikstad and trying to figure out a kind of overarching uh, theme to things. Just so it seems like a kind of thing you do in a lecture. And uh, after the second beer, we realized that it was like. You know, and we came up with this little Marshall McLuhanism, which is uh, method, like method is story. Method, method is story. Like it's as much yeah. story as anything. And it's um, absolutely true. And I think your example is perfect. Like you take a, take a Quay Brothers film, uh, redo it frame for frame, scene yeah. for scene, all the same lighting, rebuild the puppets so that they are identical, but do it in CG. Yeah. And tell me that that's still the same story. No, no, yeah, Even use true. their music. But the, but still, if your if your style now is this, try to convince me that that's the same story. Yeah. You know it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like me telling you a joke right here in front of your face or sending it to you as an email. Yeah. It's uh, that's a different medium. It's a different method, and uh, therefore the story completely changes. Yeah, that, that that was brilliant yesterday. That was really like a. That was a huge eye opener yeah. for me. I was just yeah, of course it's it's mm. it's totally sense. It's. Uh, and you talked about how you don't have any preference of uh, style. You just oh, of course we don't have any preference. No, we have. Uh, we like all sorts of things. Listen, we go to art galleries. <laughs> we're completely into modern art. We're into we're into video installations. We've uh, you know the Laneda Lost film in a way was a kind of video installation. Yeah. Um, we like we love the work of uh, of very disparate people, a very wide range of things that appeal to us. You know, we like. To a certain extent, where we love, you know, the way asteroids have, was designed. Uh, it's, it, there's a beauty and a perfection in that, and we can, there's if if it's perfect, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to smell like Svankmeyer. Uh, that's not necessary. Do you have a? Do you have like a five-year, ten-year plan, or no. do you feel like you kind of are there where you want to you want to be? The studio. We, there's certain there's certain little plans like um, after Tuvaluli we thought it would be a very interesting challenge to write a feature film screenplay. Um, Just because we did we we were so re, we we so vehemently rejected the idea of a script for that film. Yeah. So this time, well, let's do the opposite. And we thought, let's, let's try yeah. and script, yeah. and then let's, let's just try. Let's script. go through the process and see if our and see if that us going through the process, we can actually get funding for that. And then, um, and we got, and I think, and it came at a, we we made that, and then so you kind of make this plan, like, all right, let's write a feature film screenplay, and it was an old idea, and so we wrote, I think, like sixty pages, and when we finished those sixty pages, we we uh, took Tootley Tootley to Sundance, where they where a woman. Met, well, there was a woman who runs uh, the Sundance uh, um, screenwriting, all the labs actually. The, the, you know, the, the it's like film pr directing, producing, screenwriting. Yeah. Michelle Satter. Michelle Satter. Great lady. And she said she met. She wanted to meet with us and said, you know, I really like Tubi Pooley. Do you guys? We have this thing called the screenwriting lab. Do you have it? Do you have a feature film script that you could uh, uh, 
develop there that, that, that you can show me in the yeah. next month. And because we made this sort of little plan for the future, mm-hmm. uh, this, this lucky break that was not so much, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like making the breaks yeah. kind of like you have to be, so you do have to look a, a little bit of forethought. If we hadn't had the forethought and hadn't had a plan, uh, we, we wouldn't, we didn't have time to make a screenplay. She yeah. needed something in a month. So we, we gave her the thing we had, you know, and, uh, and we were accepted into that. And then we, and then that, that kind of path and then an interesting path, uh, suddenly opened up that we hadn't expected because we, we got into the screenwriting lab, which meant we had to write the proper script, uh, 120 pages for the lab in like four months. We went through the process there of, uh, of, uh, workshopping it with some extraordinary, uh, people like we, you know, you know, the writer Ronan Bennett. Yeah, yeah. Um, was was one of our advisors there, oh, right. and did didn't like the, our script at all. Uh, and by not liking it, gave us the most extraordinarily useful advice about storytelling we've ever had. Stuff we we mentioned it over and over again to each other. Um, we got to down. know it was awesome. Yeah, uh, and then he was really he sent us uh, uh, what was the book the. Uh, the classic adventures in, adventures in screen trade or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and we and at the same place we got to know uh, a writer named Stuart Stern, uh, who wrote um, uh, Rebel, Rebel Cause. Cause. Wow. And we did a workshop with him and became good friends with him. Well, good friends. We we, we really got along great with each yeah. other and uh, and kept in touch afterwards. And his method, he does a kind of one day workshop there of just kind of rigorous self-honesty uh, and uh, just ripping your soul apart to put into your stories that has forever changed the way we write stories. I mean, just a mind-warping experience. Yeah. yeah. Extraordinary. Uh, by one of the great screenwriters of the 20th century. And this, and all of this stuff really comes from that very tiny plan of, well, what do we do next? And, and let's do a tiny bit of it without even any funding, because you never know. Really, you never. We never know who's so, going to ask us. We really have to be prepared for when people say, uh, "Have you guys got anything?" Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, not, but we do. We do this, this yeah. goofy stuff like that all the time. We have like if somebody asks us, uh, "Do you guys have any ideas for a Portuguese love song?" Yes, we do. You know, we at some point wrote one for fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of things like that. Like you know, when uh, when we needed, uh, we were asked to do some illustrations for a book about the Quay Brothers, published in Poland this summer. And uh, do you have anything for that? It's like, well, yes, we do. Actually, we've been built. We built uh, these two sort of um, twin gnomes at some point. You know, and to us, they were always the brothers. Yeah. Like, all right, well. Yes, we do. We you know, let's just grab them, put them in a suitcase, and go to the mountains and shoot some stories with them. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's. I think we. It's like the gathering of the snails. You know, like there's just you have a, a just have a have a variety of bullets in your gun belt. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, one of them silver for when a werewolf attacks. Uh, but, but you know, you, you need... You, the, be, the, prepared. Not prepared, be prepared. Be yeah, prepared. Yeah. Be prepared for everything. You know, yeah. carry that silver bullet in case. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a funny thing, too, just to go on... Um, like, we, we did... The, we really... We did the lecture here yesterday and really, really enjoyed it. Like, we've been on a kind of high ever since about it. And now, even though we didn't go to uh, film school, we really... Uh, we really believe in the mentor idea uh of of learning uh we are 
Believing and I think, we'll, I think we'll, believing in what people say. I think we'll always like we've always really um, been very open to advice of our peers and have sought out the artists that we respect. Um, and we sought out Guy Madden uh, when we were in Winnipeg because we wanted because he he was such a great Who's artist this? and such an yeah. influence. Uh, Guy great, Madden. Guy Madden is a really interesting Canadian filmmaker. Um, yeah, you may have heard that the, the most maybe popular feature he made lately was uh, the saddest music in the world. Have you heard of this? No. Yeah. Great work. Phenomenal film. Right. See it immediately as you can. Yeah. And also see all of his work. This is, this is a great hero to us. Right. And, and we, but we, we got to think about it. Yeah. Is that, you know, like he makes, he makes a brilliant feature film, if not two a year. They're all great. Great. Oh, like yeah. to the point where you're, you're, like, spit is dripping from you. Um, but we do this all the time. We just wanted to like ask them. We just needed, like, we just, we just, like, we, we found them, we grabbed them, we said, you must meet with us. Yeah. He decided, okay, sure, guys, let's do it. Meet me at this bar in Little Italy in Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, we did, uh, and we just fucking... And just, soaked up everything we had to say. Yeah, yeah we were just kind of giggling there in front of him going, like, tell us how you... Why did it take us four years to make 17 minutes and you make a brilliant feature film if not to a year? How do you do? What's the secret? Yeah. What did he say? Yeah. Uh, the, his secret was uh, that uh, I, have, I have developed a great threshold for poverty and humility. <laughs> humility or humiliation? Humiliation. <laughs> humiliation, yeah. sorry. A great tolerance for humiliation and poverty. And we wanted to hear this. Like, okay, okay, well, you, you know, you teach, you, you, you have a teaching job at the same time. Obviously... You're not using this film career to, you know, to, to be buying yourself a bigger swimming pool. This is, uh, like... Well, even with the, the Stuart Stern thing... But when you're you met, making them, yeah. and they're beautiful. This is, like, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. That's good enough for me, too. Um, and, and when we met Stuart Stern, even, I remember, like, even at the Sundance Institute, like, we we went all in with our chips with that. And we're pretty... Sh we're more, like, we're kind of shy. Don't... We're, we don't tell people everything when we meet them. But when we went, decided to go into a storytelling process, which involved us be, being honest in front of these people, we put in all our chips uh, and uh, and went with it. Uh, and like these are these are great, these are very interesting artists. Like they, whatever they can teach us, we will we will soak it up. Uh, and even the people we don't meet, um, sometimes we're, we it's it's not film school, but it's sort of an anecdote school like right we this year uh i think one of when we talked about this new direction with our feature film some of it came out of um the louis ck show and oh, and listening oh, yeah. to an interview with him about how he edited he did the editing on his 15 inch laptop he filmed it and, you know he has a cinematographer but he directs writes edits everything uh performs in it and and his meth and that and and believes in, in, in advice through anecdote. And also believes in advice through anecdote, yeah. It talks about how he also sought out people, soaked in stories. Uh, uh, and I think and those of us... attention to the, to the stories of other comedians talking about their lives, about yeah. how you can fuck up a good joke. This, these are, this, this is your education. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And I remember he, had a, he was telling a story about he, how he was interested in... Uh, this is very meta, because I listened to this on a podcast. Uh, he was telling... <laughs> A story about um, uh, Jackie Gleason's method, how he never went to rehearsal. Um, he never went to rehearsal because he wanted the uh, the moment of the when he was out on the honeymooners to be um, spontaneous, to be spontaneous yeah. and real, and and he wanted to blow the scene and pull it back in, and that's was comedy. And and when Louis C.K. was telling the story as a story that was inspiring to him, um, 
I totally related to that idea because we're those guys too. We'll say like, oh, I heard a great interview with Coppola, something like that. And we'll say like, he said this and we'll, we'll store that up. We'll put that in our little storehouse of, yeah. of I don't know what, uh, the right way of doing things by the people who do it. Because there's so many, I mean, we still have to fight against people who don't trust our method. Um, everyone who fund, no one ever has trusted us. Even the people who we love uh, have never fully trusted us. And so you have to, you build up your security by having this storehouse of, of mentors and peers and anecdotes that say like, yes, the, there is a way of doing it. We, we're not alone. There is a way of doing things right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as far as your question from before about the, the fear of change, I think that that relates actually our, our, um, our, you know, almost pathological em embracing of that idea of, of constantly changing comes from, I think maybe one of the greatest pieces of advice we've ever been given as an anecdote, which was from our, uh, from our good friend, Jean-Frédéric Messier, who, who uh, did the uh, soundtracks for us many times. Um, it was maybe our first mentor. It was kind of our first mentor in a way. Um, told us that uh, just beautiful thing uh, that it is far more in art um, it's far more important to be to do something new than it is to do something good yeah uh, and that one that one really resonated with us fully like I remember like maybe within a month of that being in Hamburg and seeing uh, um, an exhibition of Basilitz And, you know, the orange eaters, the upside-down stuff, just yeah. paintings of, you know, without gesso, uh, paintings that he stepped on with his, you know, with his feet, and there's and the tracks are still there, paintings that are hung upside-down, that are sloppy, that, but they're new. Every one of them carried an, an idea inside of them. Yeah. Like, the the guy eating the orange, it's not about how well, it's not about how good it is. It's about the fact that it is new. And, uh, and we've... I think another again instinctively seized on that and understood that as really the fucking highest currency going. This is what you need. This is what we need. We need new ideas. We don't. I don't care about good. Put that into craft. You know, a craftsman who, who whittles uh, fishermen out of a piece of wood and makes sixty of them. They're all good, and I could give a fuck. Yeah. This, this is useless to us. Good is useless to us, and it is also the greatest enemy of great. Uh, and the great, I think, comes from from new. Yeah, that's you know, like, <laughs> you no really. It was a spiral that came back on itself. No, but really, like I, I think that totally matters. I think that really that's the best thing you can give another person, and that's the best thing, the best tool anybody can give us is a new idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yesterday you, you showed your uh, newest short, the one with um, the rotating objects and yeah. everything, and the yeah. And you talked about how you made it, and everyone presumed you made it in Maya or After Effects or something like that. It seemed like uh, something you just uh, did in a couple of days just for fun. But when you re when you hear how you did all of those things uh, without a computer, really, you just had a camera and you had some uh, work lights, yeah, and you uh, found some stuff in, a, in, a, in the office or wherever it was. And, uh, It, that makes the movie like 10 times as good to watch. When you watch the movie again, it's like, wow. Because <laughs> you, you can see little detail, details. And I can you know, notice that. The, the, uh, the, all, the, all the kind of flowing flags on the, on the lettering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a roll of toilet paper. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when I was a model, was spinning, spinning around. Freest effects. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what was going on with his abdomen. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. uh, you know, 
Well, just that. We fucked up the rigging. Yeah, but then, <laughs> when, uh, then when I see the film, you know, it's uh, yeah. It's a white belt. Yeah, you have this wireframe model that's, that's rotating. Most people haven't seen this, so probably. So there's this wireframe model that's uh, rotating, and uh, you uh, have layers and layers and layers of the same model kind of rotating, and then it turns into this sort of soup and smoke uh, out of the, the overlaying uh, lines. And it's such an ima imaginative uh, imagery. It's fantastic. But yeah, everyone thought it was just a model in Maya that you rotated. But it's actually you. you took it's Eric Gulen. <laughs> it's a guy named Eric Gulen yeah. rotating. It's our friend yeah, Eric you, you Is he okay? White and he's, he's okay. He's a clown from the Cirque du Soleil. So he actually is one of those guys that had. You know, uh, yeah, almost perfectionist know. control over his physicality. Yeah, he's a guy who can, you know, yeah, a guy yeah, who can yeah. stand still. I noticed his arm was sort of like uh, sliding down in one sh one of the rotating models, and I was thought he really took the time to like move one of his arms once on the model that you did in Maya. That didn't make sense to me, so I couldn't understand how he did it. <laughs> Never will you be more aware of the distance between a man's. Anus and balls, and when you have to paint the line that goes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was quite big, I noticed as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, we actually built the because he wasn't willing to go. We were gonna. Uh, he wasn't willing to go naked, so we actually built a little model magic uh, uh, penis that we glued onto the front. As well. <laughs> right, there we go. I yeah. talked to Rieger, and he uh, he said that oh, the, the, the topology on that model was awful. Like, really? <laughs> really? How the lines you, you get somebody said some, that? Yeah. That the topology of the model was awful? Yeah. Because you have the squares and the triangles and you're supposed to build in a certain Point way. Point out, I have to apologize for really? I really said that? That makes my day. I can't Point believe that. Yeah, I want to congratulate you. It was funny to watch because it looked computerized, but there was something eerie about it. It yeah. had this quality that you're just like, well... Is it? It was actually it was really fascinating to watch. But did you anticipate the effect? Because I know you saw these sculptures in, in Oslo. Oslo. In Oslo, yeah, yeah. it's a famous yeah. guy who did that. Yeah. There's another three where near where I live. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like guys so you knew the sculpture? Yeah, oh, yeah cool. that's that's right. Right. It's in the old port, right? Yeah, like yeah. Um, but where yeah. I live, I live in this. Well, it's in a county called Barham, which is. You've got this waterfall, but I don't know if it's the same artist. But there's these three guys in scuba duver outfits, just shooting down, yeah. and they're mm -hmm. just hanging in midair. And I remember uh, his name. He's very yeah, famous. He lives on the place I'm uh, from. Okay. This place is full of craft same. shops of people making yeah. little right, things. Right, right. And then you've got this. Yeah. He was a friend of my father. The guy who did that. Really? Yeah. That's wild. Uh, it was fascinating to see that. And then did you anticipate sort of the this sort of the smoke effect you get from uh, the lines on top of each other? It's no, well, we really were fascinated by it. Really, that, that's what happened. That, yeah. That's what was happening in the live sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. That, the, 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 more, the more layers of chicken wire overlap, the blacker it became. Yeah. And Part so of the experiment of the film was to not really do anything that what you couldn't do with a, uh, an optical printer. Yeah. And the, that we would make a sort of modern-looking film, but using kind of optical printer technology. So There's not a single technique we use that doesn't exist in Citizen Kane. Letter, okay. Layers of black, just layers of black and white and transparency is actually ever is the whole image. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's a proper mask in the whole thing. But that's another story. Okay. <laughs> so you come back next year, guys. Yeah. You come back as guests, so maybe you'll come to where we are. I yeah. Uh, Invite us. We only go. <laughs> yeah. <where>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they give us plane tickets in a hotel room. We will show up more likely than not. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing yeah. this. Yeah, uh, our pleasure. Great. Guys, thanks, thanks very much. Right. Now let's destroy the room. Yes. <laughs> really. Thank you. Thank you.